And for me, I needed more chaos. Like I love being busy. I love when everything's coming at me. When my life is most stressful, I am at my best. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of Moved Entrepreneur Evolved. We're in my kitchen right now because my internet is jacked up upstairs and it's just been going too long, but I wasn't going to miss this. I got Brock Bevel. What's up, man? How you doing? Man, what's going on, dude? Hey, kitchen, we can be in the park. It don't matter. We're going to get what's this up? going. What are we cooking? Let's go, man. Let's what do you go. got? Are you, are you a veggie dude? Are you a meat guy? Are you a, What are you? I got I'm a grill. I'm a straight meat and potatoes guy. Let's be honest. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't have this figure by eating vegan, okay? Dude, if you go to the gym, you maintain it. I do, but that's why I got to get some carbs and protein in. Well, I'm going to just kind of throw this in there. Chase the vase challenge is what you're all about. And um, I'm going to just dive into this uh, quickly. Uh, this is about uh, addiction. And uh, what Brock does is work with people with addiction. And I think this is this can end up being a really cool episode um, as this audience is entrepreneurs. And I think, Brock, uh, you admit that 99% of us are addicted to everything if you're an entrepreneur. So this probably can help all of you out. Addictions run in many different ways. Um, I like to use those in our move 30 and try to use them in the right way. Um, but let's just kick this thing off, dude. You were, you were a police officer. Now you're helping people with addiction because you have a story of being addicted. Dude, let's yeah. go back to the beginning Let's not go all the way back, brother. You go back to where this story starts that you you know it well. So, dude, share this. I guess where my story starts is I didn't I never had an addiction growing up. I mean, I was addicted to sports. I was I was I loved athleticism. I loved I loved that. But I didn't I didn't think about addiction as the way we're going to talk about it today. And there was two episodes, two incidents in my career that made my eyes open. That kind of gave me like a, an understanding. The first one was a shooting that I had on December 27th, 2001. I think a guy, I'll give you the basis. He was, he was an alcoholic. This would have been his fifth DUI pursuit happens. He flees from us. He's telling the dispatcher, if you guys, you guys stop me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill a cop. We end up, we ended up getting him in a cul-de-sac. He turns around he gets out of his car. We beanbag him. We tep, uh, taser him, pepper spray him. The canine bites him. The whole nine yards, like a damn movie, dude. Like everything's yeah, yeah. going down. And this guy doesn't go down, dude. He's like taking these shots. Like, whoa, whoa what's up? You know, like, he's heroic, bro. Yeah. He gets back into his truck and says, I'm killing these cops. Throws it in drive. I put an AR-15 um, round through his windshield and, and hit him in the face and under the collarbone. And uh, he dies. And I remember going up, they pull, you know, we get him out of the vehicle, laying on the ground. He's still kind of breathing, whatever. And all I can think about is, bro, this is two days after Christmas. What's going on in your life that's pushed you to this limit? You know, how did you get here? Because I'm looking at this guy. And I'm like, literally, I just put a round in your face. And it's, it's horrible. It's not a good scene. It's ugly. And in my mind, you know how it is, dude, you get, you get post-traumatic stress. You, you hear the sound, you smell the sound, the gunshot, his vehicle hit my vehicle, all that. And it's like, damn, bro. And then fast forward into the next year, like, what's that? Go ahead. How did you get here? I mean, just like, 
you're looking at yeah. this this body and you're like dude how did you get here yeah wow how empowering man and then i find out i can tell i I can tell that you've told this story um a a lot a number of times in the way that you can express the story because that's such a to a lot of people that's that's a heavy story you know but you you've created a lot of strength to kind of tell that story in in a in a brave way that I just share yeah, that with you. you. Know, I don't think I appreciate that. I don't know if it gets easier story because he had a family, you know, I ended up having a deposition with his mom and dad and sister where mm. they, they, they real riddled me with questions. Mm. And the last question they're like, Hey, can we go off the record? Can we just talk like human mm. to human for a second? Mm. And mom, mom looks at me and says, Hey, if you had an opportunity to do it again, would you kill my son? Now you want to talk about heavy, the, the shooting was heavy, but now you're sitting here talking to a mom, the mm. sister's listening, dad's perked up, mm-hmm. and she needs this for her life. She, I mean, if that was her one question to offer up, it's deep, man. Mm, and, and I had to answer it, man. I had to come up with an answer. I told her, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to kill her son, but the mm-hmm. circumstances, he put himself there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, when you talk about addiction is like, how does that happen? So let's, let's, let's parry into the next one. Yeah. We we're working street level prostitution. We're working, uh, street level crimes, a partner and I, and we're one of the best source of Intel brother is prostitutes. So I'm just giving this, I'm throwing this out to your listeners that this, this, the street level for anybody out there who watched the movie yeah. Casino, we used to always think it was the bell. It was all we used to always think it was the bellman. I guess I guess it's the, the hookers. Bellman. It's the hook, it's the prostitutes because they know everything that's going on. Who the bad For guys sure. are? Yeah, they know it, dude. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this this prostitute who we've used before as a, as an informant says, "Hey, there's there's a situation happening tonight that I'm not okay with. There's a lady." who is bringing her 12-year-old daughter to this site right here and is going to traffic her daughter for drugs. So she's going to trade out her daughter for dope to a, to a local a local drug dealer. And think about think about the mindset now. This is a prostitute. She's comfortable in this in this arena, but uncomfortable what mom was going to do to her 12-year-old daughter. She didn't want anybody else to experience this trauma. Mm. So, hey, and, and what's funny is things in, in undercover work never happen like they do. Like we see it on TV, the amount of waiting that you have to do. Oh, um, to, I bet. To, to buy oh. dope. It's crazy. Patience. Dude, dope or standard time. Dope or standard time. Dude, that's some patience because ain't not, nothing going on. No, no. You know, so, most people, there's actually a statistic or a story. It's like most people's lives are pretty boring. Like when they break it all down, they're like, hey, ain't nothing really going on. Right. That's anyways. Wow. So, so these things are now kind of, I mean, I don't know if there's a statistic that talks about it. I read this many years ago, something like, you know, when somebody in EMT uh, gets in the ambulance and he's there for like 30 days, he's seen everything. It's like, oh, it, you've just you're all, you've kind of exposed so much that you kind of get to a a different place. It's not only that, but you want the next big thing to happen because you're like, Mm -hmm. I've been here before. I've I've Mm -hmm. already investigated that crime. Mm -hmm. I've seen a murder. Now, what are we going to get next? Mm -hmm. But on this occasion, 
the truck pulls in, drug mm-hmm. dealer comes up, they go to get the daughter out. We come in and a long story short, mom doesn't want to go to jail, reverses out, runs me and my partner over. So I have, I have injuries to my ankle, to my knee, and it ends up retiring me because of the nature of the injury. I just couldn't get back to work. I couldn't mm-hmm. get stable enough to be able to get more fights and foot pursuits and, and the level that you have to be in to be a cop, which is funny because you see some cops and they're pushing 300 bills. And I'm like, wait a minute, I guarantee you, I can still outrun him. I could still climb the stairs faster, but yet he didn't have an injury. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm being kind of a dick, but it's a true story. <laughs> and I'm still, as you can tell, I'm a little bit, I'm still a little bit angry about it. <laughs> I ain't holding nothing back. No, dude. <laughs> So they retired me. And because of, of my surgeries, I was prescribed Oxycontin and, and you know what happens from there, dude. I just, I wake up 10 years later and I'm like, I'm a dick. Well, I think that, I think the statement that you made is really important for anybody that's watching that. I think that, um, you said you ran into like, you'd forgotten kind of like after you'd left that, and this is kind of the transition for kind of turning something into business and then serving other people. Right. But you made an interesting comment that you kind of really felt like you didn't know who you were, you know, cause you went from one thing to the next. Maybe you could share a little bit of it. Cause that's, I, I think that's a very common um, journey for people that end up becoming business owners and things like that. I, th- I don't think that's a uncommon yet un- uncomfortable situation, but I don't know if it'll common. See, I thought I was going to be a police officer 20 years, retire and live a good life, but that didn't happen at seven and a half years. All of a sudden, my expectancy of my full-time career is gone. I'm getting paid, but my identity of who I was in the police department, I, w- I was a pretty good cop, man. People mm-hmm. knew who I was. They're like, dude, sure. if you want to get into trouble, you want to go find dope, you want to go do it, go with Brock. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had long hair, I had earrings, I got the goat, the beard and the, the whole nine yard. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go to parties and people want to talk to you. What's your story? Tell me about it. You go to church. People want to pick your brain. Yeah, like, you're straight up Donnie Brasco, bro. You're about it. Yeah. That's what, I mean, it really was dude. And then when they, when they, yeah, when I come in and sit down with them, they're like, we're going to medically retire you. Like you're mm-hmm. not fit for duty. And that was a blow. That was a blow. And so now I'm like scrambling. Who am I mm-hmm. now? What? Like, where do I put that energy? Where do I put that effort? They mm-hmm. took away the greatest gift of my life and that's arresting bad guys. And so those two experiences like really set me up for what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, it was tough. That's crazy. But then you, you ended up getting addicted, right? Into those opioids. Oh, dude, 10 years. I was, I was, I lost my family, um, all my friends. I mean, you talk, I had a relationship. I was married to my wife. I had five kids with her. Um, it, it was traumatic, dude. I, I mean, I, I'm still today. I don't have uh, some of my kids are back. Great relationship with dad. But I mean, it's been 12 years of sobriety and I'm still being affected by my actions. Wow. What makes you be a person? I think a lot of people probably could watch this, but you're so bold. I think you have a, a, a very bold personality. You think that people, um, uh, there was a book or a, a book, uh, it was called Good to Great. And they talk about charismatic leaders and they say that charismatic leaders aren't really the reason for, you know, for the reason that companies are good. 
And in this sense, it's almost like, I think somebody would look at you and say, oh, well, he's just, you know, grunting through it. What is the real experience, I guess, for you? I mean, it's, you know, you come off as that way, but what's that experience for you? Well, there's healing in recovery. Mm. In my opinion, the hardest thing I've ever done, hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I've been divorced twice. I've lost Mm. my kids. I've lost relationships. I lost money. I mean, the whole nine. But what I tell you, my loss of connection with the God was Mm. the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Like, I didn't know who I was. And there's a saying that I use a lot that you're only as sick as your secrets. The, the, The greatest battle I ever had to overcome was telling my story like sharing your stories sharing your vulnerability and my i mean you've gotten to a little bit of my story but i i started my first addiction was pornography at eight years old it lasted till i was 42 it cost me it cost me everything and being able to tell my story like today i'm charismatic i want to share it with everybody because if i share it i'm staying sober there's healing in it if I'm being secretive and I don't want to tell people something's going on in my life. Mm. Now, I think that like, if you've ever met a set of doctors, they, that, that old sector, man, they, they all, they do a lot of drugs, dude. <laughs> like they, that old sector, like doctors. And like, if you've ever been around, I was like, I was surprised. And I'm not everyone. Everybody's going to say Jason. You can say it. Right. What I've been around, I was surprised that there were doctors that did as many drugs as, as they did. What my point is, I'm parlaying that into, there's a lot of this addiction um, that plays in entrepreneurs and salespeople. Mm. Why do you think it is in that trait of the entrepreneur salesperson? Why do they go hand in hand? Why do you think that we need more of those things um, to uh basically triggered dopamine in us? Um, do you think we're dopamine? What, what, what's your intake on that? Man, I think, you know, to be honest with you, we are, we're so forward moving, fast paced people. And for me, I needed more chaos. Like I love being busy. I love when everything's coming at me. When my life is most stressful, I am at my best. When, when there's nothing going on, and everything is good at work and everything is good as the home. I'm like, wait, something bad's about to happen. Like, what am I waiting? I'm like the ball's going to drop and, and everything bad's going to happen. So I think for me is, is I flourished when it was chaos. The mm-hmm. more drugs I took, the more my brain would actually slow down to where I could just, I could react. Mm. And you think that that's, um, you think that that's normal in people that take the track of a business owner? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Do you think that that trait is common? I think we thrive in it, man. I think it's like we want to be successful so bad that yeah. we're just, I mean, we'll lose everything for it. And That's, that's what sweet. I'm interested in. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested mean, in that. Why, why do you think that people that end up becoming coming out of recovery – recognize that the, the person that's there, why is it that they, that you need to tap that, I don't know, like go button or whatever it is. It, what it's, is a it repla- in it? it's, it's replacement theory, right? You think about it in, in active addiction. If I could take that same guy in active addiction, that drive, that effort to get that dope 
and mm-hmm. put it into my life as a business owner, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire, dude. You know what I mean? Because if you take the life of a drug dealer or an addict, dude, it's go, 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 go. You were seeking, you were finding, you were doing the most ridiculous things to get that dope. The phone calls, you're just relentless. And then you get it and it's like, there's almost a dissatisfaction because the chase for the dope was better than the dope. I've covered this multiple times and I was just on the conversation with someone the other day. And I might've just said in the last podcast, I probably did because I don't know why, but this just continues to come up and show more often than not uh, lately. <clears throat> and that is that the story of the Olympian, I might have said, I think I said a couple podcasts back, but it's the story of the Olympia trains from 10 years old and goes all the way to the Olympics mm. and gets the gold. And then the next day is depressed. And so yeah. what is it about that process? And I think at the end of the day is we're workers. And so at the end of the day, if we're not working and if we're not moving forward and if we're not doing things that kind of challenge our, our brains and try to, you know, um, build a home, whatever that is that we need to do to have shelter, whatever that thing is, if we're not doing that, then we're off till, right? Mm. Really extremely off till. And I think that one of the things, and I'm not trying to create a promotion here, but the thing that I talk about with the Move 30 is to talk a lot about stacking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, people could say, oh, I'm addicted to this. Like, I'm not in, in the thing that I do. I try to say, look, just be yourself because I'm trying to get people to move forward. Just let's get you moving, right? So let's not be stale. And so I try not to fix those things. I'm not trying to be that solution. But what you find with people is that they can't create any repetition. And so those things that they would say morning routine really doesn't have anything to do with the morning routine. It has to do with, can you create a stack of energy that's going to stack onto more energy, stack, stack. And so I think that this is common with entrepreneurs and business owners and all those things. One of the things that I'd be interested to know on this level is we all have different traits that we're good at. So like some person, one person's a business owner, but they're really good at sales. You know, um, I'm a business owner and I'm good at running my mouth. So I try to get on and run my mouth as good as possible mm-hmm. as many times as I can. What, what are some of the people that are addicted in entrepreneurs? What are some of the positions that they're good at? You know, are they a project manager? I mean, could they, are they managing their business? Are they go getting marketing guys? What do you think addiction is lies in with those positions? Man, you know what? I wish I could tell you, but the, the person that got me into my active addiction was my doctor. You know, I walk Ooh. into my I walk into my doctor's office. The first thing he tells me is, hey, man, you're a cop. You're never going to get hooked on these things. OK, <laughs> well, then I'm a cop, but I can't. I can. So you're telling me I can take as many as I want. Mm-hmm. But what, what's interesting is I have guys in all walks of life. I have tier one operators calling me saying, hey, dude, I'm struggling with addiction. I, I have school teachers calling me. Hey, I got, I need, I need help with addiction. I have owners of Home Depot, different branches of Home Depot saying, dude, I need help with leadership. Teach me. And so it's, it, there's, I don't think addiction, that's the, that's the interesting part about addiction is it does not discriminate. It doesn't, it doesn't just attack the go-getter. It doesn't attack the, the CEO mm-hmm. or the doctor. Yeah, 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 it attacks yeah. anybody, dude, anybody that's willing to try the shit, they're dead. You know, I mean, it just takes mm-hmm. over them. So, so I, I wish I could say this is who the 
the individual. I think it does attack guys that are um, more a type personalities that are that are because to, to use drugs, you got to be willing to really get into that cycle. You know, it changes us. So mm-hmm. I don't think I have an answer totally for that. Yeah, I think it was just an interesting thought pattern. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's certain traits people have. You know, they, they're better in their business and things like that. And um, it's kind of interesting to kind of put that together. What um, with with, uh, with with recovering or going through that process of people that are like addiction, is there something that they should find to replace, to take that and actually replace it? You hear that a lot. So, oh, well, if I can find something to replace that. What, what is it in your in your model when you work with your clients? What is it that you kind of would talk about that? Is that something? Because I've heard both sides. One saying, no, 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 don't do that. Cut it out. The other side is say, no, take it and add. What's your thoughts on that? Listen, guys that are at an active addiction are addicted. It doesn't matter if you put a piece of chocolate cake in front of me and I love chocolate cake. I'm smashing the whole damn thing. Like I'm not just taking a bite. You know what I mean? I'm smashing it. It's gone. But what, what it's... It, ha- it has to come down to really ridiculous, relentless focus. And so what I do, and I'm just telling you what I do, what the best that I've seen men heal and women heal is absolute structure. And when I say that is you, when you go into battle, you know the battle, you know the rules, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I had to create some rules within my own life. So, for example, if I'm texting, one of the things I got in trouble for during my active addiction was sexting. Was to, like, re- well, I always ask, like, why the hell did you do that? But it was just something I did. So I'm married now, right? And, and I have a great relationship because I have boundaries. I have some structure. Yeah. So if I go outside of that, that's a red flag for me. Like, what's happening? Where did my structure go? How did you break out? So, so what I do early on in active recovery with CEOs, tier one operate. I mean, these law enforcement is create focus so you can see where you're breaking the focus. For me, here's what I do. 4.20 in the morning, my alarm goes off. Nothing to do with marijuana, right? 4.20. But 4.20. What a number to pick up. after all this conversation, Everybody bro. Says, really? You, you could, could pick, pick 4.30. You could pick 4.30. 4.21. So 4.20, alarm's up. options. If I don't get out of bed right away, mm-hmm. I'm off. I, 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 I mean, I already know, hey, dude, you're mentally weak. Let's go. Right now, if I'm in bed at 4, 422 and, and I'm not out of bed, I'm getting out of it. That's fine. But like if I don't get out of bed and go to the gym, what happened? Why? Mm-hmm. Like I have to really break me down and say, dude, that was bad. That I mean, for me, in my mind, if I'm slipping, I'm relapsing. Like mm. I'm, 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 I'm heading to relapse and that might not be the, the healthiest thing, but it's keeping me sober. 420 alarm goes, 422, I'm out of bed. By 430, I'm out, I'm in the car. 435, I'm at the gym. F- you know, five o'clock gym starts. Six o'clock, I start coaching. Seven o'clock, I come home. So I, everybody's like, dude, you are so damn structured. But if I'm not, mm. I can see it allows me to recheck myself, bring myself back in and understand where I'm here. So that focus has to be had. If you are living the same life you did in active addiction, we're in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'll get up when I want to get up or I'll go do, you know, I'll make the phone call. Dude, it just doesn't work. You have to change everything about yourself. Mm-hmm. So what, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting when you, when you look at, um, people that have, you know, I always say like, I have an addictive personality in a sense. And I always, I always say it. Cause I always think like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Like let's rock and roll. You know I mean? There's no, you know, if, ands or buts and things like that. And we, we get a lot of that in the worlds of entrepreneurs and, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, I think that, um, addiction holds with people. I think more than people want to admit it, probably like 99% of it, you know, it's like, Hey, do you think that, um, in life it's okay to have some addictions? Sure. (laughs) I'm sure. I mean, I'm addicted to the gym. Okay. Right. And, and if I don't go to the gym, does it have an adverse effect on me? Yes. Right. But it's also on the other end, keeping me super healthy. Right. I'm eating. It makes me eat better. So I look at this and I'm like, okay, I'm addicted to that. If I don't go, I'm, I'm a wreck. Right. It's more for my psyche than anything, but it depends if it's a, if it's an addiction that's holding you back, if it's addiction that like, okay, so I have a guy that's that I'm working with right now. Here's a prime example. Guy struggles with a lot of things, but I talked to him yesterday about pornography. He goes, well, I don't have a huge problem with pornography. I was like, okay, what would you consider a problem? He goes, well, I don't have a problem. I only, I only look at porn once, once in a while, like maybe once a month. And then I, then I, then I masturbate and, and, and I have this whole, and I'm like, okay, but why? If, if you understand, he goes, well, it's, it's healthy for me. It makes me, it's a release. It makes me feel better. And then I'm like, okay, I get that. But is it something that's controlling you, right? If you have, when I get into addiction, if it's something that's controlling you and is making you go against your personal beliefs, mm. you know, then it's a bad thing. Can, mm-hmm. And can you stop? Mm-hmm. Like, is it just something you've gotten, you're habitual about it and you can't stop? Or is it a true addiction? So those are kind of the things, Jason, you got to get through on, on some guys. And with me too, I had to, am I addicted to it? So, yeah. So what's the kind of, in a, I think this is an interesting topic because you kind of have two things. One is you could have the clientele here, right? And they're like, Hey Brock, what's up, bro. There's the, here's the deal. I need to push this or I'll create a plan for it. Right. So you have that. Then you have the other side kind of as a business. What's the recovery business look like? Meaning that, you know, every, every business has an entry point. When somebody comes in, you kind of generate a lead. What does that look like on the front of recovery? Because I think you're dealing with, and I'm going to say this because I'm, you know, look, thinking it as a marketer, and I think saying these things is maybe stereotyping. I'm not, but I would think in that world, maybe you have some people that are not as consistent, so they might not show up. And 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 you know that what? How do you handle that as an owner of a business? that's deep rooted in an area of people that really don't commit. So no shows, are they huge? Are they massive? What do you, what have you done to try to get people to show up? Maybe you can touch a little bit on that topic. What a good question, man. What a good question. Cause you are right. Addiction is really, really hard to talk about, but if you're coming to me, you're at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. The problem is most guys, let's talk just men. 
if I'm going to come to you, Jason, and my deep, dark secrets, I need help. I'm at rock bottom. I'm either, and the problem is, usually it's almost too late. The guy's already got a DUI. His wife has already kicked him out of the house. Like, there's a lot of things that have already happened to where he's like, okay, I now need help. Mm. And, and, if, and if I could be, if I was a better business owner, it, I would find out how to get to you right before that happens. Well, I think that that's, I think that is the open discussion that I'm kind of opening is right. I think that it's interesting. That, so the, the discussion would be you're, you're running in this. What are some things in there? If you were to take this in a marketing, in a sense of to generate the lead, where is that person? And so in, in, in marketing and, and you go into sales and things like that, I would talk the alchemy, the alchemist, and he goes on this journey. And then where you meet that person at the journey, you're the solution to the problem. Okay. Yes. In, in the recovery world, what is, what is that like? Is it, is it like um, we usually pick them up when they've stopped by three different times and they've just never come, you know, what are some numbers that you've seen in the business of recovery? Man, there is no number because that's the fun. That's what's interesting is, is like try to get an algorithm when people are like, when they need it the most, you never know. Because my rock bottom, I didn't know was happening. Like mm. it happened without me knowing. And usually you can see it coming for people. There's, there's, a, there's a point to where the wife's fed up or the guy's like, dude, I'm, I, I just have no more money. I can't go back to the hospital. I need help. So, but I'm kind of unique as well because I'm online. I ran, I've run the brick and mortar facility and the, the walk of life that people come in are all different. I've had firefighters come in who had relapsed at work and he was, he was saved by his own shift. Mm -hmm. And so his department said, go get sobriety or your fire. That was kind mm -hmm. of a deal. I've had guys that work at power plants. I mean, just, it doesn't matter. They're trying to save. And then I've had guys that have been sleeping behind a trash can saying, hey, I just need some recovery. Help me out. Hmm. But but what's cool now is a lot of my business is referral based. People know me. They're like, hey, you're a law enforcement guy. And, you know, you talk about micro niching. You talk about in like you got to know what your niche is. My niche is so finite mm -hmm. and so tiny that I can almost be an expert into it because I'm an undercover cop who mm -hmm. had an addiction to opioids, who lost his profession. So he understands the law enforcement aspect of it. He's also been in shootings. He, uh, he's, so he's mm. culturally incompetent. He's culturally competent mm -hmm. and he's carried an addiction and overcome it for some time. So if you need help with that, go to this guy. And so that's Dude, this is really cool. So check this yeah. out. This is cool. I think this is something that's interesting. So uh, as I was just listening to you, I think that people can not only hear this because obviously we have a deep subject here of people that could use help. And there's, there's a lot of that thing there, but on the structure side of this, I think this is, it's kind of interesting because I think it should be inspiring to other people that hear this, that are like, Hey, um, you know, I want to do business and do whatever it is. Right. What you just did, which I think it's really cool is that you literally express like all these things that you've done in your life. And then you said, look, I'm going to kind of pull all those things together. And then I'm going to go out. I'm going to find these guys that I can serve that have this scenario. And it's not, and I think this is like so important. You didn't tell me a crit. I mean, you're undercover cop and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like 
you learned more about addiction after being a police officer <coughs> than you did being a police officer. You know, you kind of figured that whole part out. Way, so, way more. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you kind of like you learn and, and you stack these things together to create a product to like service people. And I think that that's how long did it take you to kind of put that together where you're like, hey, you know, because you, you you run it, you run a show as well. Yep. <laughs> you run a show. I had a chance to be with you. So, well, to be honest, like I screwed up at first. When, when I said, hey, I want to just welcome to the show. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and when I say that is like I tried to I tried to connect with every single person out there. Hey, if you have an addiction, come see Brock. He's an expert. No, that was the dumbest thing I could have ever. Because here's what's interesting. You you're an alcoholic. You come to me. I know nothing about it. Mm. I, I really like I can teach you how to work through the addiction but I can't tell you what alcohol feels like. I, I've mm -hmm. never, ever been drunk, mm -hmm. right? I don't know the, the chemical hook that alcohol has, mm -hmm. but I do know the chemical hook with pornography and, and, and uh, opioids. Okay. So mm -hmm. when, I, when I tried to connect with everybody, they were coming to me and I was having a lot of people. I'm like, dude, I, I can't help you. Like, I'm sorry. I think I misread this. I, I'm not your guy. I'm not your guy. There's other people out there. So I had to turn a lot of people down and say, dude, that was bad. So that's when I'm like, I reached out, got a coach and the coach is like, dude, you, you're way all. And so I, I needed help, man. I reached out to a guy and he's like, okay, let's micro niche this and then get the right avatar, get the right people that you can work with. Because the 18 year old kid living in his mom's basement, who's been on heroin for four years that his mom's paying for his addiction. I can't, I don't get, I don't understand that guy. So how am I going to walk him through the steps of recovery? Yeah. Right. And so I had to fix my avatar. I had to, like my people, I had to find them. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting because I think what you're saying as well is it's like, because of the way your model is like, if you do a good job, it's, there's going to be some legs in there. Cause they're like, this guy actually helped this person. And they all have the friends that are in the same issue, you know? Yeah birds of a feather, you know, flock together. Yeah, no, you're right. So in, in this, one, one thing I think is interesting, my dad was a psychologist and um, I was asked this and all right, I was wondering, but how, how do you keep all of that from affecting you all the time? How have you found your way of separating, you know, bit, you got, you've got personal lives and the psychologist could probably answer this just as well. But I think you even being a police officer, you probably had, had some skills when we was there, but um yeah. How did you, how do you learn how to deal with just not, just not being the story again or going, dude, that's, Hey brother, the story you just told me sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. I might go check that out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. A psychologist actually taught me this, this skill and it's about, it's about putting hats on and taking hats off. And so I'm like, that's kind of really basic. What do you mean? He says, think about in every situation you do, you're wearing a hat. Like right now I'm wearing a hat as your guest. And so my job is to provide you with the best information I can. Your job is the host and you got the host hat. But when you leave this podcast, that hat comes off and you lay that on the table and you go put the next hat on. It might be the cook. You might have to cook for your wife and kids. And then, and then you take that hat off when it's time to be done and you got to put the dad hat on and you got to have these difficult conversation with your daughter. Yeah. And, and then you take that hat off 
And now you got to have a relationship with your wife and you got to put that hat on and you got to devote that time to her or your relationships. And you're constantly this ebb and flow of who you are. It's like a multiple personality because at work, you're a totally different guy than you are laying down in bed. With when, were your you, when were you, when were you able to recognize that for yourself? Because I think that there's a lot of self-control that comes in that. Like I really wasn't interested in any of that in my twenties. After my addiction, after yeah. I destroyed everything and I'm like, are you pretty good? I mean, I, are you pretty good at like framing things like that? Like, I think that, I guess, from, I think that like one of the things you, you basically, you're talking about, yeah, cha- changing the hat or changing the guard. So right. in a sense, um, I, I, I do, I would say I have a super dirty white belt in jujitsu. So I'm dirty. So I'm a pretty good one. Right. <laughs> like I should be like a blue. Um, but when you do martial arts or anything like that, you put this arm, like you put this garb on, right? Or when I go do Muay Thai, I put these pads on. And it's like, I better be a fighter in that scenario. I mean, I'm not fighting. I'm just play fighting, right? Um, but still, people want to do something to me to make me stop. Um, that's pretty significant. Do you think people in changing hats... Do you think that they should also do something physically in that process? Because I think like when I, when I go to, to, you know, martial arts or something like that, like I really do, I'm a different, I mean, I'm a joke around, I'm a total fun and things like that, but I, I have to change. It has to be. Mentally, yeah. If not, there's a thing called fight energy. And if you get hit, boom, if you fought enough, you get hit with it, your instinct is like, I'm coming back and escalates a little bit, you know? So, but anyways, what do you think? Yeah, I totally do. I, and I, and I think that's one of the problems that us entrepreneurs have is we get hit in the face and that's what fuels us. And we have a hard time knowing when to stop. So we Mm. spend a lot of time grinding on things that maybe are, we, we put, should put a time limit on, right? I know that one of my big problems is when I'm in this mode, when I'm podcasting or when I'm doing my like coming up with new lessons and scenarios, I'm, I can stay in that mode a long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't take that hat off because I know once I walk out that door, mm. I can't think about those things. And so I'm like, I'm putting it in as much as I can because I'm in that zone. So I, and I think that's something that I don't do well is I stay in hats too long. Do you think addiction got, um, and I'm just obviously spitballing. So yeah. <laughs> But when you had, uh, you know, when you had COVID and things like that, it's, it's probably much more difficult to change hats when you're in your house, not going to office, not getting in a car, not going to, you're, you're not a driver. You're not a nothing. You're just a guy you're sitting <laughs> or a person. Just, so you, you think that was one of the triggers that people were searching for some, some kick of open, you know, dopamine or whatever that is. And they just found something. You think that was a big I don't, I don't think it was the number one. I believe in my opinion, the number one kicker was connections. We Ah, lost the ability to connect with other people, right? Because now here I was going to the gym every day, every day, every day. And all of a sudden COVID is now I can't go to the gym. I didn't go to the gym every day for me. I went to see my tribe. Yeah. I went to see my guys and mentally they're keeping me sane, right? There is that check-in like, Hey, Jason, how are you doing, man? Good to see you today. You're kicking ass. You look great. 
And then you start missing that and you just kind of start slipping, dude. Yeah. And so your, your community, and that's one of the biggest things in recovery is you got, we had a community in addiction, everybody else we alienated. We had those guys, but what, what people don't understand is how important. So you have a Muay Thai community, you have a black belt community, you have a church. I mean, we have all these different communities and all of those combined are keeping us sane mm-hmm. but think about not having those anymore hey bro i'll tell you i'll tell you i was talking with uh my girlfriend and i was like you know because i've been doing martial arts since seven years old so a, a martial arts school is like home to me it could be mm-hmm. someone i don't even know if i walk in it's just some home you like, know Ooh. so it's just it's been a long time and i've lived in countries and trains just a lot of a lot of time and experience um but i was telling her that you know I sometimes I'll stop and go on. I mean, this will many years, you know? And so I actually have a school called studio 540 over here um, down the street from my house here in San Diego and incredible guys. And they're just amazing guys. And just, and the thing about martial arts and you kind of talk about community is like, if they see you out and they know that you can play, they go, what, why aren't you, why aren't you coming in? You know, why aren't you? And it's just this natural thing. And I think it's like something that's super cool. And I think this is kind of what I was getting with this is that people that, that are, that deal with addictions, even if you have them, things like that, I think you got to get healthy and strong enough to go do something that actually is fun, not just the gym. Cause I get it. You go to the gym, yeah. but you got to find something to use that muscle. Go to go decide to take a cool hike to a mountain you've never done before and, and utilize, <clears throat> I guess, you know, don't just go to the gym and be like, I'm glad I moved this iron. Okay, great. Go use it somehow. Go, you know what I mean? And I think that we miss that. I think mm-hmm. that that piece of the puzzle is that us guys and us men aren't doing shit. That's it. You're it, bro. That, that's how you stay sober. Yeah. I, I love it. I love <laughs> it. I just wish. And so that's a component in recovery and in life that we miss. Mm-hmm. So that's where that self-check comes in. Like, you, you see programs out there, they have like a, their, their recidivism rate is absolutely ridiculous. Like people are getting, they're not getting sober. And it's like, okay, wait, you just spent six months in a program and you didn't get sober. Why? Because it didn't fuel the brain. I can stop using drugs. Think about like this. The military uses behavior modification, right? They put you in a setting, they give you a uniform, you have a cut, you look like everybody else, you sleep with everybody else, you eat with everybody else. Like everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what we do in recovery. We give you all the tools. Here, here you go, Jason. This is this is you. The problem is that's a behavior modification. I could stay sober for six months because I'm in a safe, clean environment. But as soon as you remove me from that environment, my habits, my mind, it didn't, you didn't change my mind, you didn't change my nature. My nature wasn't changed. My behavior was changed. And so now I come back out, my nature takes over. Mm. And so mm-hmm. that's why, that's what's so important about changing. Like you're saying, dude, moving irons, one thing, but going out and connecting and, and hiking and do, being physical, totally different. And we need that. You know, I think that there's also this generation, I think that, you know, as guys are getting older, I think that people aren't getting this thing. I think they are okay. I'm not going to say to be ignorant to say this, but I think that people are mis uh, miscalculating your opportunity to live longer. 
And so as entrepreneurs and like guys, like straight up, you guys realize like you could do this entrepreneurship for, you can find a new audience at 80 years old and sell, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, whatever it is. You can, yeah. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. You can have fun. You can create a channel. You can do all these things. So the ability to actually earn income for the next X amount of years is actually possible, even if you've never started it, because the internet is just what a, there's not, yeah. it's just here, figure it out. Oh, so yeah. the next thing I think that, and I think this applies with addiction and things like that is to take people and say, do fun shit. So that means mm-hmm. that the working out and the making the money actually give you an actual accomplishment instead of just sitting in the mosh all the time. So I kind of ranted a little bit, um, but my, my one question would be um, in, in, a, in this model as well is um, kind of shifting again, is in the business side, um, do you go back? <laughs> is, is it unethical? I'm trying to ask hard questions. Is it, is it like unethical to kind of like try to go back to somebody and say, would you like to re-sign up for a program? Oh no. Like, is there no. like a, do people like not, do you follow, how is that like work on a business side for recovery? Do you chase them to try to sign them <laughs> up? What's that model? No, I, I don't chase people, mm-hmm. especially with recovery. I guess chase there, might be a, well, yeah, I know what you're saying. Chase, I mean, the chase, base, right? chase is your, is your, is yeah. your name. So, we gotta, <laughs> but here's one of the problems you see, like the show intervention, that mm-hmm. show that has done a lot of, I mean, it, it's not great in recovery. And, what, and the reason I say that is, like, if I come to you and say, Jason, you, you need to change your life. You need, to, you need to find God. You need to do all this. And you're not ready for it. You're going to push back. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm my own man. I'm not listening to you. And so finding people where they're at at the right time is, is the, the really unique thing about recovery. When people are ready, they're ready. They're focused. They're like, okay, I'm done, done. Mm-hmm. and not just finished. There's a big difference be- between being finished mm-hmm. and being done. And that's where I want you at that point. I don't want all the fluff. I don't want you coming back and saying, this sucks. It's too hard because my program's not easy, bro. Tr- trust me. I make them do some hard, <laughs> some hard shit. And they're coming up like, why are you making me do this? Because I'm, I'm trying to make you mentally tough because yeah. the next time you're faced with this, your ass will buckle every time. So, so let's, let's work through this now to where you have this sober, safe environment. And so you're preparing yourself mentally. It's like, what is it? Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, whatever said it. You, we all have a plan till we're punched in the face. And Mike then it's Tyson. like, Mike, and then it's like, dude, the plan changed, right? Yeah. It's the same thing at home. So do you open up a, um, so you have a, your model kind of breaking it down as you obviously get somebody that says, finally, I'm ready to go. The commitment's there. So on a business sense, Probably once they sit on there, there's a little bit of, you know, like uh, teeter totter. Are you ready, really ready? And then it's like, yeah. okay, let's go, you know, grab the white gloves and let's go to war. But do you also incubate the people that you were just talking about? So you were just talking about people that from my visual that I had, it was just like a bunch of people bouncing around in a room and they just kind of are doing things, but they're saying they're, they're, they're in the vocabulary of trying to commit to go to the next room but they're just bouncing mm-hmm. around and saying the right vocabulary so do you try to capture those people is there a place where they come in and like do you see what i'm saying where you yeah, can actually yeah. then 
then those are the people trying to put it in a in a in a bucket. Then those are the people you kind of go, hey, by the way, not chasing, but hey, by the way, if you're ready, here's here's the sign up form. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the six month program. Yeah. You do that. Do you incubate them a little bit? Absolutely. Usually what I'll do, to be honest, I like to work one on one. When people call me up and sign up, I said, I want to give you a one on one call first. Mm-hmm. I want I want to ask you some questions because if you're not ready, don't spend your money on me. Don't don't put money down. That's just silly because you're going to waste it. But if I can ask you some questions and you're like, yeah, dude, I am ready. Then let's take the next step. Okay. Right. I don't charge people to come and talk to me. You want to talk to me for an hour on the phone? Hey, I'm cool with it. People are like, dude, you should charge for that. Why? I'm not I'm not going to make you or ask you to sign up for something. You're not. But when you do. That's a different story. When you sign up and say, okay, I'm going to give this guy money. I want you to buy into it. It, And it's almost like you have skin in the game. And I don't know, you're way more um, business savvy than than I am. But I want you to pay a little bit of money for recovery. You know, if I ask $199 for, I'm just throwing out numbers here, $199, people look at that and say, wow, that's a great value, but his program must suck. Because it's only 199 bucks for 30 days. You're telling me I'm going to get sober in 30 days. But you put like a 5,000, 10,000, I'm throwing numbers out. And they're like, oh, shit, there's value in that. Look at that. It's a $10,000. It must be phenomenal. And, and people are really finicky like that, man. It's like, listen, I just want to help you get sober. And so to well, answer also, your question. There's a little bit ahead. of psychology there. People, I think, want to also, there's this thing of like, I went and got this solution. Mm. It's almost like I went and got the car. It was a Mercedes. It was (laughs) $80,000. There you go. Right. Right. So, you know, hey, I decided to get sober. And what did it cost you? A hundred dollars? No, 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 no. I went to the best and it cost me $10,000. Yeah. You know, um, shoot. What are Mark? Well, I don't know what there's one out here in California. Um, I know somebody will probably write it on here, but. Um, I think it's 25,000 a month. Oh, I'm, yeah. The Betty yeah. Ford clinics. Like, Betty Ford. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, And phenomenal. Yeah. They do great, but that's yeah. a live in program here. Yeah. Jason here. So I just want to share one thing. The difference yeah. I owned the brick and mortar. I did that. Mm-hmm. And what I motiv- what I noticed was the guys that I needed. So if, if Jason, you had a, you had an addiction to, to opioids and you wanted to come to my program. It would be hard for you to pick up from your home, come to Arizona and mm. give me 90 days. You can't do it. Mm. Financially, your relationship probably won't last. Like there's legit concerns. So I'm You're like, probably well, right. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I can't, I can't pick you up. I'm working with law enforcement and firefighters and these guys in the military. Are like, listen, I can't leave my post. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, Brock, if you, if they can't come to you, go to them. And so that's why I wanted to do the telemed. I want yeah. to do it online so I can work with you at your level, right? Even if it's one-on-one, I don't care because there's therapy. What I want to do is get you in a group. Eventually I want to get you in a group where there's like 10 guys and you're yeah. all sharing your ideas. That's, that's the goal of it uh, because there's way more knowledge and way more instruction on that. But to get you there, guys in recovery want that. And so I can get a lieutenant. I can get the captain. I've had, I've had, I've had the chief of police from, a, from an agency back east 
come into my program and nobody knew about it. Mm -hmm. That's where there's safety because in law enforcement and that kind of work, if you say I'm an alcoholic, dude, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're blackballed. Even today, even with all the mental health awareness, you're still in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. Dude, that was, that was good stuff, man. I gave you a lot to chew on, man. I probably threw way too much out there. Hey, dude, these, that's what these are about. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I think the good thing about these is like you go down some rabbit holes, you learn some things, and you kind of hook onto somebody in a sense of like you should be able to express the personality that you are and things like that. And the evolution, you know, here we talk about the evolution of you being that entrepreneur. Well, dude, you close that out so good. Where, where can people find you? What's the deal, dude? Yeah, Someone so I, services. Let's roll. Yeah. Awesome. So I have, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Chase, <laughs> Facebook under my name, Brock Bevel or mm-hmm. Chase the Base. Same on Instagram. I have a, a Chase the Base challenge. It's a 30 day challenge. And basically what I do is I run you through 30 days of recovery. The goal is to get your base and get you going. So in 30 days, it's, you're not finding, you're not living recovery. You have 30 days of sobriety. There's a difference between sobriety and recovery. Mm. You could be sober for a year. We've seen guys that are dry drunks. You've heard of that. Mm. They're still assholes after like 15 years of sobriety is because they're not living in recovery. They're not happy. They're just not drinking. So yeah, go to my, go check it out. Chase the base challenge.com. I would love to have, I mean, but yeah, whatever, man, it's all there. Chasing the base at gmail.com is my, my, uh, my account to email me if there's anything like and it's it's kind of hard to promote that you know because recovery is so intimate and personal yeah you know but you know what you can you can promote it because i think that the decision to call in is intimate yeah. and personal so i think you sharing the story is on a front level um things that you can discuss because really all you're doing is you're trying to hook some good people cool. and those yeah. that know they'll they'll come your way dude so Thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you jumping back and forth and kind of talking avatar stuff. Also talking about the deep stuff. I just appreciate you, man. So anybody that's looking to work with Brock, hook it up, brother. Thanks a lot. Another episode of Move Entrepreneur Evolve. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Move is to entrepreneurs.